Welcome to Beating Cancer Daily. Beating stage four cancer for 30 years still takes my breath away every time I say it. I'm Saren, founder of the Comedy Cures Foundation, and I hope you'll join me for just a few minutes daily for the next 365 days so we may laugh, learn, maybe cry a little as we live our best days beating cancer daily together. It's always so fun for me when comedian Missy Hall stops by beating cancer daily because I get to share her with you. And Mm -hmm. so if you have not listened to the many episodes, it's like a mini series within our overall Beating Cancer Daily series with comedian Missy Hall, who's also a cancer survivor now. That's why I just love when she comes back to Beating Cancer Daily because we get to follow her whole journey, but we also get to chat about comic perspective and comedy. And I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but it is originally being recorded during the holiday season. So I just felt I really wanted to talk to Missy about the holiday season so we can really, from a comic perspective, dismantle that so that if you are going into stressful holiday times or you just dread the family meals or the traditions, we can give you our little spin on it So I hope that we just make it easier for you. Missy, welcome. Thank you for having me back. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. And what prompted this was you told me how you opened your (laughs) set last night because Missy's a professional working comedian. We know her because she used to volunteer her time for the Comedy Cures Foundation and do our patient and caregiver shows We just had this whole sisterhood happen there. And then when Missy was diagnosed with cancer, she called me right away. And that's when I asked her if she would let me record our conversations as we went through this journey together, because I'm a stage four cancer survivor with no visible disease. And so Missy and I have recorded over 20 episodes to date with our conversations about cancer and comedy. So I hope you check out all of them. But Missy, tell us how you opened your set last night. (laughs) It was lovely because it was a country club setting. So people were at tables with people that they knew. And um, I at first mentioned how lovely they all looked and how happy they looked and asked them if they were ready for the holidays. And you could see everybody kind of go, ah, And then I was like, all right, I'd like a show of hands. Those of you that have already made your mothers cry about your plans for the holidays. And everybody was like, yes. I was like, how many of you have been the crying mom? Because you got the phone call that they're going to somebody else's house. And it was so fun and funny because we always think we're the only one that is full of angst during a time that's supposed to be so special and so wonderful. And to have a room full of people immediately be on board with, oh, it was so much fun. 
It was so much fun. That's the power of comedy too, because you can take a concept that is so universal and just literally begin to talk about it. And then so much of the room will just plug in. Be You don't even have to finish it. No. It's just they know it. They can anticipate where you're going and identify. And then at the end, you just twist it a little bit and they don't see that surprise coming. And then you've gotten so much mileage out of that joker conversation because you get them first at the familiarity of it. And then you get them at the surprise twist that you push. Exactly. And not to not to make light, but I have to make light of it. What my twist, that was also the way I'm like, yeah, the this, the that, you know, everybody's mad. I was like, I'm lucky this year because then I just, that's when I threw in my cancer diagnosis. I was like, so this year I get a pass. Like nobody is allowed to judge anything that I am doing or where I am spending my holidays or who with. Oh, you pulled the cancer card. I I love that card. That card can come in very handy, Missy Hall. Exactly. And what was nice is comedically, then I could turn some of my funny stories about my diagnosis and hit those jokes and then go back to family and things of that nature. So next year I'll have to do it differently. (laughs) I love that you have already so quickly figured out how you could find the funny in your cancer journey and then bring it to the stage. And I believe that's why our charity, the Comedy Cures Foundation is so beloved because we help people find the funny in whatever trial or tribulation they're going through, whether it's a chronic or acute illness, depression, anxiety, disability, a loss of someone, the state of the world, just being able to use a little comic perspective can get us so far. And you're just so masterful now at just doing that with this whole life's journey that you just went through. Yes, it's, I've been amazed. There has not been a single time and it's countless now, the shows that I've done between my diagnosis and now that inevitably somebody will come up to me after the show and either whisper something in my ear about how long they've been in survivorship. I've had people that are healthcare workers come up to me and go, I'm so glad you're talking about this. I'm so glad you're talking about this. And it just affirms the fact that for me, I am doing the right thing. And these aren't all female audiences. You perform mixed into all ages. Yes. And what's also been beautiful about that is that men are so kind. They laugh when I describe what my new breasts look like with crooked nipples. If you've heard any prior episodes, I address those, but I address that in my standup. And men will belly laugh, but then clap and yell and just in a supportive, not heckling way. It's just, it's really been lovely. It's really, really been lovely. Did you ever think in a million years that you would say on a podcast that's in 42 countries, or at least we probably have more now because that was a month ago, but on sitcom, 
I can't even get it out on six continents <laughs> that audience members who paid a minimum to come in and ordered two drinks <laughs> that men are cheering at your newfound crooked nipples after breast surgery. Like the whole thing is just surreal. Like I can't even. And it's so funny. <laughs> I even snorted while I was laughing. When you think, like when you put it in that perspective and you're like, there's this huge platform. Okay, what is going to be your message? <laughs> and that's what I come up with. Ta da! <laughs> I don't think that's going to be on anybody's inspirational pillow. <laughs> no, but just in defense of crooked nipples. <laughs> yes, yes. There are people who are born with crooked nipples. That, so it's not like that unusual. I mean, I didn't know until I had breast cancer that people actually have very asymmetrical breasts. Like there's yeah. so much breast stuff. I had a friend who was born with boobs, but no boobs, meaning she was born with breasts, but there was nothing inside of them. So the boobs did not grow well, actually, two friends that I know, they had nipples and boob skin that grew, but none of the inside grew. So they were perfect candidates for implants because they both had way more skin and they didn't have anything inside that held up that skin. So I actually, one I took for her breast surgery and the other one I went over right after to care for her. And they are so happy now with their filled out boobs. So there are so many boob issues. I had another friend with inverted nipples where her nipples never popped out. I really didn't know until later in life. I think maybe that's why when I had my surgery, I my multiple surgeries, where however my boobs ended up, I'm okay with it. It's a little inconvenient sometimes getting dressed because they're uneven. But at the end of the day, it's okay. And that's what I talk about on stage is I'm like, look, I don't care what my breasts look like. They saved my life. Whatever they the appearance of them is right now is of no consequence to me. I was like, if I'm ever in a room with my shirt off and somebody's not appreciating my breasts, I'm in the wrong room. No. <laughs> <laughs> Missy's married, by the way. So that's even funnier. I was actually single with my boob situation. Oh, and you're and I was young too. Yeah. I was. Well, I was in my 20s misdiagnosed and I was in my 30s when I was diagnosed and went through all the surgeries and the radiation and the chemo and ended up stage four, if you've never heard this podcast before. And we don't only talk about boobs. I just want to let right. you know right. if this right. is the first time that you're listening. We only have a few episodes where we get a little graphic about body parts. But yeah, I mean, I was single, so that was a whole different conversation that had to be had in my life and I'm now married. But yeah, no, it's it's really interesting. I want to get back to the holidays. Sure. Just because I was at a dinner. I go to a lot of dinners. 
<laughs> and people talk to me all the time about their illnesses because they know that I run the Comedy Cures Foundation and that I am a healthcare advocate and very much at the forefront of leading healthcare conversations around the globe. And so people tell me a lot of stuff. And at one dinner, one person, after hearing me speak with another person in the cancer world, literally said that she had forgotten that she even had cancer until we had this whole conversation. She was sitting there listening to our conversation as just somebody listening to a conversation. And she didn't even remember that she had been a cancer patient until after the conversation was over. Okay. That sounds like some major dissociation. But that's choice. I mean, some people just move on and it wasn't, she wasn't anxious about it. She just, she has so compartmentalized it. So put it in a box that it's just not part of her everyday consciousness. And in a weird way, that's like a miracle because she's walking around going, I'm that pain is cancer, that sensations cancer. She literally just is back in a normal that doesn't involve cancer. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I love that she I'm picturing her being in entrenched in this conversation and then going, oh my gosh, that, that happened to me. It would be like a, a, if somebody was talking about divorce and it was really ugly and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I did that. I, it, that would be lovely. That is pretty incredible. But yeah. then I'm going to actually compare it to a different story that I was told the same night. A friend has a friend who is in our world of cancer and she can't even hear the word. She has a massive panic attack. If anyone even brings up anything related to cancer. So it's actually crippling her socially because she doesn't want to hear it on TV. She doesn't want to hear it in a conversation. She doesn't want to talk about her cancer. She doesn't want to talk about anybody else's cancer. And she is really having full-blown panic attacks. And it reminded me of the story you told on a prior episode where you were watching television and there was an MRI and that threw you into a bit of a panicking and anxiety attack. It did. And I didn't, I wasn't expecting it. And since that conversation, there was another thing. I was, I listened to audible books as I'm driving and I was all engrossed in this story. And then suddenly the main cancer, I mean, I'm sorry, the main character got cancer and I just had to turn the book off. I couldn't do it. That is so normal. That is so normal. And that did. Now, I didn't panic and when conversations and things don't bother me, but I am taken aback by some of the things that actually do elicit a response of just making me feel like I'm going to cry or getting super anxious. I am surprised at some of the things that do that. That leads me to this holiday experience because I can tell you from being in this cancer world for 24 years now it is brought up at holiday meals. 
by family, by friends. And I'm just wondering what's your position on this? Are you going to tell people in advance? No cancer conversations. And the reason why I'm having this conversation with you is because I'm really having this conversation with you listening to this podcast, whether you're in a car at home or at work and you should be working, but you're listening to the podcast (laughs) 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 because it's really good to set boundaries going into the holidays. Otherwise it could be the dominant conversation everywhere you go and it's exhausting And so I just want to make sure that if you're heading into something, you tell the host or your family members, send an email or a text on a group chat. Hey, I don't want to mention anything about my cancer for this entire meal. Or, hey, I'm willing to answer questions, but not at the table. Or what? I don't even want to answer any questions, no references, or it's fair game. I will tell you and talk about anything and everything about cancer. But I think that we as patients and survivors should set the tone because otherwise people are telling you every bad story that they heard about cancer, or they're coming to you to help every second person they know because you're ahead of it in the journey. And look, I've do this morning, noon, and night because I run a charity that helps people. But I just want to make sure that it is okay for anyone listening to put a boundary around the conversation if you want it. Missy, what are you going to do? I am going to do two things. The one thing that I will be doing is I will answer conversations with humor, because that's what I do. And especially with family and people that I'm close to that I usually only see, I'm sorry, there will be people there that I'm close to that I see all the time, but then also people that I only see occasionally. I will use humor and I will probably use humor to get out of too much discussion. My mother always told me it was very impolite for me to talk about my breasts at the holiday dinner table. I was like, if anybody has any (laughs) about my armpit, we can do that. But I think we should probably let everybody eat first. So I will happily answer questions. The other thing that I will do is brush it off. A good way for me to do it without making people feel bad for asking questions. I'm going to say, you guys, I've gotten so much airtime in this about this. I want to hear about everybody else. I just want to hear what's happening with you. We don't need to talk about my little tumor. Let's talk. I've had so much airtime. Tell me, you know, the coolest thing that's happened to you this year. And I'd like to try to deflect away from me because As a person that's gone through cancer treatment this whole year, and as somebody that speaks for a living, there's a lot of me all the time. And I would like to be a little bit more in the background. That's so sensitive. And it's so clever. Actually, we did an episode, I'm trying to remember what it was called, where I actually gave tips on how to put boundaries around conversations and real things that you could say not to have to talk about your cancer. And so I think that's a really valuable episode for people to go back and hear just before the holiday season, because they're real practical tips. And Missy, 
gave an example of tumor humor. That's what we call it at the Comedy Cures Foundation, where she thought of a humorous way to incorporate her cancer journey, but also have a conversation where she integrated this concept of something funny about her cancer. And she used it as a deflection, but it still involved tumor humor. That was really clever, Missy. Thank you. I also think there's a lot of value in when you are really your message is that I don't want to talk about this. You don't want to make people feel bad for having asked. So I love the Wait idea. Wait a minute. A lot of people like making people feel badly. Okay. I yes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's what the holidays are about. Are you kidding? There are people who are getting their conversation points ready just to make other family members feel miserable. It's revenge time. <laughs> yes. If you would care to manipulate it into making people feel bad, don't do anything that I am doing. <laughs> but I like to turn the conversation back to, oh, tell me something fun you did. It's been enough about me so that they don't feel like they did something wrong. Because have you noticed that sometimes people feel like they have to tiptoe around you? And I would never want anybody to think, oh my gosh, did I offend Missy by asking her? I'm like, no, you can't offend me. I choose to never be offended. But I would like to make the conversation feel good for somebody else. I don't want somebody else to feel uncomfortable ever after talking to me. So if I can flip it to get, ah, I'm the same old boring thing you've been hearing about all year. Tell me what's doing or whatever. We have that episode called Cancer Say What? Yes. And I love the little tip that we do in that. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. But just very briefly, my daughter and I would write down the horrible things that people would say to us about the cancer journey. And then one night when we were all hanging around, maybe I'd serve some wine, not to my daughter, but to friends. <laughs> And we would read back all the awful things that people said to us. So if you're at a holiday event where people are just saying the worst things to you and they don't even mean it, honestly, they just slip out. It's their fear. Then just capture those in your phone or on a piece of paper in a notebook and then go back and read them out loud with friends or family. It is so funny. So that's another trick you can use if people just can't help themselves and they just say like wackadoodle things to you. Yes, that is so funny. I love that because people do say really wacky things. Yeah, no, it's really true. And they really can't help it. And, and I just love that strategy because it kind of puts you in the driver's seat after all. And it diffuses the sting of whatever that very uncomfortable right. thing is that someone says to you, look, I am so grateful every year to have another holiday season. I mark time with the holidays and I know you do too. Yes. And that this holiday season is so important because it's the first one since yes. you were diagnosed and got a clean bill of health after all your cancer treatment. So everybody says, be grateful, keep a gratitude journal. But I really just remember trying to absorb the beauty of 
all my different friends' holidays because I have friends that celebrate everything. So just really going to all those holidays and trying to just really revel in the fact that it was a time where I was getting together with people and just seeing their joy. Now, there are a lot of people who hate the holidays and they don't go to family functions and they literally choose to be basically shut in and they ignore the entire holiday season. And there are a lot of people who are just too sick or they're hospitalized. Mm -hmm. So I really hope that regardless of what you're choosing and or what you need to be doing. And a lot of people will have to be going through treatment this holiday that you find a way to celebrate it the way you want. It's really important that you dictate how you want this holiday to go and not feel pressure in any way, shape or form. And one of our neuroscientist specialists, Catherine Grill, who has the mental health at Neil. She gave us this tip for our newsletter that make a list of all the things that you're being asked to do or want to do during the holiday and then automatically cut that in half because it's just too much. It really is very overstimulating. And sometimes as a patient or survivor, you feel that You need to do every single solitary thing that's put in front of you because you don't want to miss a moment of life and or this could be your last holiday. And I am one of those people that has the fear of missing out. Like I always feel that if I don't go, I'm going to miss something. So I'm trying to exercise that this year. I am trying to just surround myself in peace just peace, just feeling calm in my body. Trying to learn to trust my body is such a huge daily task. And I would love to just feel peace and think about the things that bring me actual joy. Like I love special holiday music. I love lights. I love the sparkly right? I love to look at the sparkly. What I choose to turn away from this year is excessive commercialization and the feeling of responsibility, the duties that I've heard family members complain about my whole life around the holidays. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not, if it's something that I know I'll still be complaining about 10 years from now, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to host 12 people. That's such an important point about the commercialization because I remember not being strong enough at 98 pounds in two years of just being bombarded with surgery, radiation, chemotherapy over and over again on the chemotherapy. I remember just not wanting to exert that energy in buying gifts for everyone. I had to give myself a pass on the Mm -hmm. fact that I wasn't going to find all these amazing gifts and wrap them and get everybody like the ultimate present. First of all, it's financially super expensive. And if you're going through treatment, you might not be working as much. 
But the amount of energy that you have to expend to shop, even if it's online shopping or QVC shopping, it really can be used in healing. And I have friends who are such massive gift givers. If I told them that they needed to curtail their shopping, they would probably just have a breakdown because they live all year to shop and wrap and see people open gifts. But please just do what Missy said. It is so important that we listen to what our body is telling us and what we need to heal. And you know what? You could give people an IOU and you can do that when you feel better. Sure. And most of the people in my life are at a point where they don't need the magic. For instance, my daughter is 25. She can tell me something that she'd like to have, but I don't have to create magic for her. And my grandson is only one. So he's still, there's nobody that I have to create this memorable, beautiful experience for. And that's a big thing. I don't have to curate something that truly feels amazing. That's a big relief. Honestly, I can tell you just as a producer, like I am the family gatherer. I am the family producer and I'm sure you are too. And that's a big relief. If anybody is going through treatment right now and that's just too much, find someone to delegate it to for this year or find someone that will do the work and prop you up so that it looks like you did it but they'll really be the person that executes. It's all good. But if this fuels you and you think that it's actually going to propel you, then go crazy with the holidays. I I have another question, Missy. I've heard so many people say that with everything going on in the world, and I'm not sure when someone's listening to this, but there's conflict in the Ukraine, there's conflict in the Middle East, And regardless of which position you're taking on any of that, that people feel guilty having celebrations and excessive gift giving because there is so much going on around the world and no disrespect to any conflict that's going on in the world right now that I didn't mention because there are many more than those two, but people are actually thinking that it's almost globally disrespectful to have a big holiday celebration, whether it's the corporation or a family celebration because of what's going on in the world. And they should take that money and send it to wherever there's humanitarian relief going. And I think that's kind of hard, especially if you're a survivor or a patient, and this is your milestone event that you would compromise celebrating because there are other people who are suffering. So it's such a delicate conversation. I just feel like we need to bring it up because it is the conversation that patients are talking to me about. And it's huge. It is huge. None of us can look at horrors happening and just toss that aside. My feeling about it is this, is that at any time you have the opportunity to lead with love, like we so often get to do at a holiday. If you can lead with love, that is just 
one little way in the energy connection of the whole world that can make things right. During the holidays, my family always does send something somewhere, like where there's somebody in need. But I think dimming your own light doesn't brighten anybody else's world. I was also going to say that somebody's struggling with what's going on and they're having this kind of guilt, then do a family project. Make it part of the event. Do something that you can do to give back to your community or to the connection that you have somewhere in the world where there is a conflict. And I think that can help with those feelings of holiday guilt. The other thing I was going to say is I have people say to me, how are you doing comedy right now when there's so much conflict in the world? And I have to tell you that at the Comedy Cures Foundation, we get approached by people who are in the places around the world where there's conflict, asking us to please help them laugh, please help teach them these strategies. So I bring that back to your point about just let's not dim light. Let's not dim hope or laughter or joy. We just have to bring more of it to the world. Just in terms of holiday humor, I don't know if you, Missy, or anyone listening has ever heard Richie Burns accounting (laughs) of going home for the holidays with his brothers. He is... (laughs) (laughs) he's a comedy cures comedian and he tells stories about going to his irish catholic family home for the holidays and it's like their kids again when he gets home and they're grown men and how his mom reacts during the holidays to having a bunch of boys around again but he does a bit where he talks about them all going to sleep in the same room and what happens when they fall asleep. And if you have not heard Richie Byrne, please listen to his Christmas comedy. And if you can't find it, write to me at the Comedy Cures Foundation and send me a message from the record button or just write it through the contact button and we will get you a link to Richie Byrne. Oh my gosh. It is the perfect holiday humor. And I just love him. You love him too, Miss. Oh, absolutely love him. Yeah. Wonderful person. Wonderful comic. Just top notch. I know that you will be taking notes at every holiday meal because I know that you'll be writing comedy as a result of all these family experiences. And I can't wait to hear what you've written and what you're working on after the holiday experiences. But I just want to say, have a beautiful holiday. Thank you so very much. And I can't wait to talk to you again. Yes, I can't wait. I can't wait to meet back up in our little Zoom screen. (laughs) (laughs) And again, if you have not 
heard Missy. She is a comedian who performs all over. She also has a Facebook live show with her husband, Jeremy, where you can actually attend a date night with them live on Facebook. So if you can't find Missy Hall all over social media, just write to us and we'll get you her contact information too. And go back and listen to her entire journey on this podcast. It is a really fun and popular mini series within the overall beating cancer. 365 episodes. So have a blessed day and I'll see you tomorrow. If you love today's episode, then tell the world. Why? Because Beating Cancer Daily and our membership circle are both a listener and donor supported experience. So the more people you tell and the more people that join us, the more robust and interesting programs our nonprofit, the Comedy Cures Foundation, can bring to you throughout the year. I really want you to go to comedycures.org. And of course, I always want you to make a donation. It's tax deductible to the extent allowed by law. But what's super exciting is not only can you laugh and explore the comedy there, you can look at our membership levels and find the one that's great for you. And if you're feeling a little bit generous, gift one to a chemo brother or sister or to a caregiver that you just want to help them improve the quality of their day. Thanks so much. See you tomorrow. Guess what time it is? It's time for me to read the disclaimer. Beating Cancer Daily and the Membership Circle are not in lieu of medical advice or treatment. They are for entertainment purposes only. Please consult your healthcare team to review your best strategy. Thanks for listening.